heaven. <laughs> ah, I just heard that one yesterday, I assume. Uh, yes, indeed. I've been holding on to that one. Hello, and thanks for downloading the two Sorry Excuses podcast, recording live via via the internet. I'm your old pal, Sanders. I'm your good buddy, Liv. If you are keeping score at home, this is episode 135, the Happy Trails Roger Moore edition. Yep. Just see me scrambling around to get to my phone yesterday when I was in my bedroom getting ready on the local more news. They're like, we have breaking news. Roger Moore is dead. I was like, fuck, fuck. I had to grab the iPad because the phone was being used to play the radio when I was in the bathroom. You know, because I know Brian and Carla, they get they get um notices on their phone from like CNN and stuff, you know? They have Brian like, was up way earlier than me. They have like a Google alerts for, for like Anything having to do with death. Yeah. I think it's a CNN alert they get, you know, and CNN, they send you an alert for any celebrity death, you know? Okay. All right. So, <laughs> and I know they wake up way earlier and be like, Chris Cornell, you know, my alarm went off at seven something in the morning last week, and I look and Brian, like, Chris Cornell, it's like, well, I'm never going to win that shit when they're announcing these deaths at six o'clock Eastern, you know? When did the, when did the death pool start? I don't even know, man. It's been years now. I can't go, remember. Does it go back to Syracuse all the way back? Oh no, no, no. But it goes back probably it goes back at least five years at this point. Which is kind of a long time now. Yeah. I, it probably I w- goes back even further than five years. Probably goes back I mean, hell, I graduated from law school eight years ago now, you know? Yeah, it definitely goes back more than five years because if you think about it, in November we will have been doing the podcast for five years. Isn't no, that- we'll be doing it for four years. Oh, really? We didn't start in 2012? The podcast was birthed in 2012. Like, your inspiration came from 2012, but didn't start till the next year. Oh, okay. All right. Okay. All right. Because your inspiration was us hanging out at the USC Yes. Game. Oh, you're right. You're right. Okay. Because um, I know it's definitely been going on as long as the podcast. That's for sure. Yeah. And what the, the rules are pretty simple, right? It's the first one to text the other two the death of a celebrity. Yeah, 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 yeah. And the next, see Chris Cornell, and then I texted Roger Ailes, but they probably wouldn't have got Roger Ailes anyway, either one of them, because they wouldn't even have thought about it, even though he is kind of a big deal. Right. But he right. died the same as Chris Cornell. Okay. Yeah. You know? All right. I mean... I don't know. Carla's scope is limited way more than Brian's, though. Just because of of her daily interaction? Like, she sits in an office all day? Or because of her knowledge of pop culture? Yeah, it's just her interest, you know? Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. You know, it's not all over the place. Although, today I thought about sending one, because I saw it, but then I said, screw it, I'm not going to do it. But a girl that was in Clerks who died over the weekend. She was only in two movies. What was her name? Like Schopauer or something. Lisa Schopauer, I think it was. Yeah. I don't know. You know? And it came out, and I only saw it because, you know, I get on Facebook, I get pop-ups from clerks because whenever I first set up that Facebook page years ago, I said one of my favorite movies was Clerks. So once Facebook changed, they they took all your stuff that used to just list as favorites and assigned like the official Facebook page for 
Clerks the movie and like some stuff that I had on there as a joke, like Dirty Dancing. So now I get Dirty Dancing updates, like the Dirty Dancing <laughs> fan page. Which is funny because right now the remake of Dirty Dancing is airing on ABC as we speak. Lisa Spoonhour. Spoonhour, all right, yeah. Uh, and she was in two movies and then she and she voiced her character on the clerks cartoons in 2000 but that was her first movie it said some like a little obituary thing i think it said something about how she uh it wasn't obituary it was some kind of news article not a technical obituary saying that she um tried out for nicholas cage movie and never got the job and she just went back to be a normal person I'm which trying, i'm trying to remember prompted- she was married to the guy that played Randall for a few years. Oh, Jeff Anderson. Yeah, after Clerks. So, and I, I looked at that and I was like, you know, I wonder what all these Clerks people did. Because, you know, most people in Clerks, like, they don't do anything other than Kevin Smith movies. He, the big stars of Clerks don't do anything but Kevin Smith movies. And know? from Clerks, so many of them were his high school friends. Yeah. And, like, the, the only reason they exist as actors is because of Kevin Smith. Yeah. Yeah, so true. <laughs> Yeah. And like, gotcha. like, um, who is it? Jason Muse. I was like, cause I was going through IMDb, look at all their pages, you know? And I think it was his, that he was, he's been in every Kevin Smith movie except for like three. You know? Yeah. Cause he did a couple like, uh, like mainstream movies, like Jersey girls, um, red state, which he, uh, he wasn't in red state. Jason Muse. That was one of the movies he definitely was not in was red state. You know, but he's been in every other Kevin Smith movie except for three, I think it was. Yeah, I'm trying to cop out, maybe. Let's see. Yeah, I got IMDb. Let's see. Cop out would make sense because that was a Bruce Willis, Tracy Morgan movie. That was a studio film. (laughs) And I'm going to say Jersey Girl because that was also a uh, studio film. Yeah, that would make the most sense. But uh, who did who did Lisa Spoonhour play in Clerks? Dante's other girlfriend, ex girlfriend. Uh, yeah, it might have been something like that. Let's see. All right, all right, all right. I'm gonna the Clerks page. Uh, Lisa Spoonhour uh, born in. Uh, New Jersey in 1972. She died in Jackson, New Jersey. Oh, okay. Yeah, she was just having a regular old life. Caitlin Bree was her. She was Caitlin. I can't. I mean, she's the fourth build character on the um, on the clerk's IMDb page. Yeah, so Marilyn Galati, Gigliotti was um, is the she chick. She plays like the crazy broad, right? Marilyn Gigliotti, right? No, she's the chick who comes and makes him, makes Dante Lasagna. Oh, okay. She's like the main female lead. She's the she talks about uh, that she banged thirty seven guys. Um, that's I'm thinking Caitlin Bree. Well, yeah, there'll be a, a new. There should be a news article. You know what I'm gonna do? I'm gonna 
I'm going to look for uh, Caitlin Bree scene on YouTube here. Yeah, or you just Google Lisa Spoonhour. I'm sure every news article. Yeah, for Clerks actress Lisa Spoonhour did it. 44, Fox News Entertainment. The actress played Caitlin Bree. Her family and the director shared the news on Instagram late Tuesday. He recalled discovering Spoonhour in 1992 when he went to watch her acting class at the Brookdale Community College. So she's the right actress to play Caitlin Bree. Hmm. So let's see here. Yeah, she's one of the four, one of the main characters of the movie. You guys probably can't. You can't hear this, right? I have this on headphones. No, I can't hear it. Yeah. yeah. All right. I, ah, it's been a while since I've seen the movie. I don't remember. Yeah, Honestly, I, I don't remember seen her years. I saw Clerks 2 more recently because I went to see that at the theater. And I see they're making a Clerks 3. I noticed that today on Jason Muse's page. Yeah. IMD page. That's been in uh, pre-production for a while. Uh, but Marilyn Gigliotti, she was the main lead. She was Dante's girlfriend and bought him the brought him lasagna. Yeah, and, okay. Uh, she is the catalyst for the for the for the silent Bob speech at the end of the, you know, at the end of the movie. Yeah. When he goes, there's, you know, there's plenty of fine women out there, but none of them will bring you, only a couple of them will bring you lasagna or something like that. But, um, did you get her on the death pool? I didn't even do it. Cause I was like, yeah, they're not going to notice and they'll never send it. So I was like, screw it. Right. The thing is, sometimes you just got to. Hold on to the bigger fish, you know? <laughs> like, if you do every friggin' Tom, Dick, and Harry, you know, it, it loses its... It loses luster. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, I was like, if Carla wants to send that Lisa Spoonhour, let her have Lisa Spoonhour, but I ain't sending it out, you know? So who got Roger Moore again? I got Roger Moore. Okay. All right. Which was a big one, since he was a Bond. So and technically the longest serving Bond. Yes, uh, and then why is that a technicality? Because Sean Connery did one out of sequence, out of uh, out of the canon or something. Never, well, never say never again. Yeah, 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 yeah. He did the one that was like a TV movie or something, didn't he? Was that the one that was like a TV movie technically or something? Yeah. So never say never again was. Um, so Eon Productions, I guess that's the production company that had owned, um, had owned it, had owned the rights for the longest time, um, and they they started filming Never Say Never Again in 1982. Then they moved to Nassau, and the filming took place on the Clifton Pier. Um, production was troubled. Then production money ran out. And then Fleming's estate backed the movie. And then MGM and Eon Productions tried to block the script. So I don't know if it ever came out. Never Say Never Again did come out. I'm pretty sure I, I'm pretty sure that's one I might have actually going to see as a kid. Oh, Octopus, yeah. Okay, okay. might have been the one that they actually didn't. There was one of them that. I think it might have been released in the theaters later, but I think it might have been. The only reason I say technically is because I didn't look deeper into it, but they said that he was the longest serving. I'm like, I'm pretty sure Sean Connery 
came back after Roger Moore and did a movie, and obviously he did, you know? Which would have been 1983. Which would have been Never Say Never Again, right? Yeah. So, yeah, it's it's strange. So, Sean Connery... Sean Connery started the franchise, and then he had he had uh, a dispute over money, um, and they brought in George uh, Lazenby. Lazenby, yeah, yeah. Wasn't he Australian? Is that what he was? Uh, let's see. He was, yes, he Australian. He was Australian, He's, and yeah. I guess that 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 was on Her Majesty's Secret Service, which is uh, reportedly purportedly a, a a horrible, horrible movie. I've never seen it. I've never seen it, but it's the only one he ever did, George Lazenby. And then Sean Connery came back for Diamonds Are Forever. Um, but the James Bond that I know is Roger Moore. Yeah, because I remember when I was a kid going to see A View to a Kill. Okay. Because I was like 1985, and Sir, former Syracuse uh, resident and Syracuse University student Grace Jones was the <laughs> was the lead female in that one. All right, so that's... And then they also had the Duran Duran song. And Christopher Walken was in that one too. So eighty three, I'm ten years old. That's when Octopussy comes out, and that uh, you know you're a ten year old kid, you know, like your ears perk up. And then yeah. in eighty five, A View to a Kill comes out, right? And Grace yeah. uh, Grace Slick is in that, and I remember Grace Jones. Uh, Grace Jones. Uh, I remember this specifically because so at that point I was I was twelve. But it w- it came out a few years later on TV. It was like the Sunday night movie or whatever. Yeah. And so I must have been like thirteen or fourteen, and I'm watching it. My my grandparents are over, and I remember specifically that my grandparents were over, and we're all just kind of sitting around watching the. You know, my my mother, my mother and my grandmother, and maybe my aunts are in the in the kitchen. But it's a big open floor plan house, so they're right there. And we're in the living room, and you know, kids lay on the floor because adults sit in the in the couch on the couches or whatever. So I'm kind of laying by the by the chair where my grandfather's sitting, and we're watching this movie. And there's a scene where uh, where Roger Moore and Grace Jones make out. You know how because okay. James Bond's always always makes out with the the villainess. Yeah, right? you know that's always of part of the subplot. That's what the Bond women are. He always. He always turns the the evil women with his penis. Yes. <laughs> so uh, they start making out, and uh, and my grandfather, who see, I'm the oldest, so I have the I have the most I have the most vivid memories and experiences with my grandfather because he died died in his mid to late sixties. Not long after he retired, and he had some failing health. He had a heart heart condition, and then he had an operation, and then he, you know, then he deteriorated quickly. And my sister was really, really young, and my brother Jeremy was probably, you know, twelve or thirteen. And at that yeah. point, like, you know, you don't you don't know enough to to pay attention to to your elders, right? Yeah. Um, but I was like. I was seventeen or eighteen when he passed away, so I I, I had a I had a lot of these vivid memories uh, of him. And this is this is one of them because it's funny. And he was a great guy. And uh, end of the the punchline to the story is I'm not trying to minimize the racism uh, or the racist slant 
of the greatest generation, right? You don't have to qualify. Does he have to be the greatest generation for that shit? <laughs> but I mean, like, you know, everybody. No, always, I know. Everybody always talks about, you know, their grandparents. That's just it, it was different at a different time, right? So you don't yep. have to say, "Oh, my grandfather wasn't racist," because one, he wasn't, and but two, that was just a prevailing sentiment. <laughs> there was there was just a different. It was a different time, right? It was a different time. So there's a scene where where uh, where Roger Moore and uh, and Grace Jones start to make out, and uh, I'm watching TV and I'm a little aw- It's a little awkward, you know, because it's 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 television, so it's edited for television. But I'm still I'm still a preteen, you know, probably a teenager. Let's see, seventy three, yeah. twelve. I'm a teenager. I'm th- at least thirteen or fourteen, and like. You know, you're. It's awkward to watch those kind of things with adults. Oh, trust. Let alone your. It was awkward to. Watch. I remember going to see like years ago when Wedding Crashers came out. I think my sister Mari and my mom we all went to see it, and my sister Mari and I sat together. My mom's like, "Well, I want to sit up here," and it was like, "Thank God she did," because that was not the type of movie you want to sit next to your mother doing. What movie was it? Wedding Crashers. Wedding Crashers. Oh, yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's not the type of movie where you want to be sitting next to your mom when they're making risque sex jokes and all this shit, and they you do know? the montage scene of, of all their different conquests at the different weddings. Yeah, I, I know exactly what you're talking about. Yeah, I mean, it's a crude movie to, to... I mean, I went to see... I mean, that's on me, because I went to see There's Something About Mary, and I was like, that movie's so funny. I was like, Mom, you got to see that. I went to go see that with her, and I'm sitting there next to her cracking my ass up with, like, the come on the year scene and all that stuff. That's funny. I was just thinking about something about Mary today. Very apropos. Very apropos. I'm sorry. So I'm getting a little, little, uh, it's a little awkward that, you know, the the scene, I wouldn't call it a a sex scene, but it's definitely a love scene. Um, And... And all of a sudden, my grandfather says, "Whoa, will you look at that?" No, he says, "Whoa, salt and pepper, will you look at that?" <laughs> That's not even that bad. It's not. It's not it's stuff that he could have said. Which is being a guy that was born in the twenties or or the teens or whatever it was, you know. Which is a perfect example of his his actual mindset, right? That yeah. absolutely it could have been worse, and it could have, uh, it, it could have been crude. Especially was it was this grandfather the one that was a police officer? Yeah, or exactly, exactly. Yeah, so it could have been way worse. Right, right, <laughs> right. But those yeah, two, I mean, that's tame considering the shit I've heard old people say in my lifetime. Those two movies, The Octopussy and, and A View to a Kill, um, stuck with me. As my introduction to James Bond, so Roger Moore, Roger Moore was 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 my James Bond for better or for worse. But those were the only two movies in my, uh, I mean, not in my lifetime because he he started in seventy three and did five movies before yeah. before Octopus. But, you but I wasn't watching yeah. him as a kid. Yeah, you know? yeah. Um, I'll tell you what, I'm I I never got into James Bond. Uh, but Roscoe apparently is a is a big Ian Fleming James Bond fan, and I went with him to see Spectre. 
that's the first one I'd seen in a theater since A View to a Kill, because I'm not a big James Bond guy either. I went with Jordan to see that. It was great. Yeah. It was good, man. Yeah, it was really good. It was, it was, I was like, okay, this is actually fun, but I'm not, I'm just, I'm like you. I'm just not a James Bond guy, you know? I, I think, though, that given, given the time, if I ever get to this point, like, so this is a perfect, this would be a perfect weekend for something like this. It's supposed to rain. Uh, all day tomorrow, all day Friday. I took, uh, I'm taking off tomorrow on Friday, and it's going to rain again on Saturday. So if I was so inclined, that'd be a perfect weekend to kind of hunker down for, uh, you know, a James Bond marathon, right? Yeah. You know, watch a couple, couple a day, um, break them off. At least the first, I would say the first, you know, the first dozen or so or. Sean Connery, Roger Moore, those got to be, those are classics, you know? Yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, I've never seen a Timothy Dalton James Bond movie. I I haven't seen any of those James Bond movies. I even, the only Daniel Craig one I've seen is the one Spectre, because that's why I have to go to the theater. If I don't see it in a the theater, there's about a 3% chance I'll ever see your movie. You know what I watched the other day? Well, it was not the other day. Probably two months ago at this point. Last time I had some free time. It was another day. <laughs> I watched uh, Planet of the Apes and Beneath the Planet, the originals. Oh, yeah, yeah. Those, I, I've seen those. Yes, because I love Planet Apes. I, I will see any Planet Apes movie, no matter how terrible it might be. And uh, those were good. Those first two were good. Yes. Planet of the Apes, obviously, is a, is a classic and is the best. Oh, yeah, the original. Is yeah, the best of the bunch. Um, Beneath the Planet of the Apes was good um it lost me a little bit at the end I, I got i got a little confused that's the one where they're like in la is that the one where they're in la no beneath planet apes is when uh so that's the second one is beneath the planet yeah apes, charlton right? heston didn't sign okay. back on yeah and the premise of the movie was a second um uh, astronaut crew came to find him, but he was okay. being held captive beneath, underneath the planet of the apes, and underneath the planet of the apes were humans okay. who had a secret, like uh, a secret society. Was that the one where they worshiping the missile? Yes, yes. Yeah, and they had mental... the dudes, like the dudes are all freaky look, like scary looking. Yeah, the humans. They had uh, mental telepathy, and Victor Buono was uh, yeah. was one of the. Okay, if I remember, I remember seeing that when I was very young. If I remember, like the dude's like brain is exposed or something like that, something crazy. Yeah. Like they're real freak looking because of the mental telepathy thing. Yeah. Then I think Escape from Planet of the Apes is when they go to they go to modern, modern day, LA. day LA. Yeah. Okay. Modern day LA, circa nineteen seventy four. Whatever. Yeah. Then there's Conquest for Planet of the Apes. I remember there was one, and it's not a... And I looked it up over years, because you remember they used to show, like, on maybe TBS or TNT, they would show, like, these Planet of the Apes marathons. Yeah. Well, there was also you Planet know? of the Apes television shows, so it got yes. real confusing on what were you watching. Yeah. And that's what what I learned, because I remember looking up, because I remember one of them was called Life, Liberty, and Pursue the Planet of the Apes which I always love because I love that title. That's the best title ever. And what it was, I believe, was a compilation of made-for-TV Planet of the Apes 
TV shows. Okay. You know, like it was like, and they got one one of these networks. I don't know if it's Antenna TV or MeTV. One of them shows the Planet of the Apes friggin' um, television show, actually. You know? But I really, I it's hard to watch them because they're all, you know, you know it is. You know, it's like that real cheap 70s television production. And, you know, it's... It's definitely not a, you know, everything start. Everything is like on this downward slope from the original Planet of the Apes until until we got the one um, back in 2011. You know. So that's my question, right? So in so there was that Tim Burton remake of Planet. Yes, of the Apes. which I went to see and I want to love it. And of course, yes, I liked it because it was Planet of the Apes. But it just, you know, it it, it, te- it had Marky Mark in it. It teased that Tim Roth was in it. Yeah. Um, it te- teased a uh, it teased a sequel. You know, which as much as it wasn't the greatest movie ever, I really wanted to see that sequel because at the end, Marky Mark crashes. He crashes into the Jefferson Memorial and he's in the Lincoln Memorial. But instead, it's an ape in the Lincoln Memorial. Yes. You know, and the cops are apes. I was like, oh, I can't wait to see DC apes. You know? Right, right. Right. <laughs> Play of the Apes, Washington, D.C., run by uh, where all our monuments are going to be ape monuments instead. And But, of course, because that movie kind of bombed, it never, they never okayed the sequel. So then, in 2011, they just they reboot the whole thing, right? They, yes. they start from scratch. And those have all been good. And another one's coming out this summer, and which is going to be awesome. Is Rise of the Planet of the Apes? So when yeah, Rise was the first one. Then the second one was Dawn, which was actually a lot of that was filmed down downtown New Orleans. And then um, this summer, what's it? Is it is this the battle for the planet? Uh, I'm not even sure what this one war. Is. War. Okay, war. Okay, right. so we, but I but I saw the trailer last week at the theater because I went to see the new Alien movie. So when uh, when they reboot a series, especially a series like this, right? Do they take yeah. do they take anything from the originals? Yeah, this actually all the reboots is sort of like prequels, technically. You know how? Okay. Okay. Because if you remember the original Planet of the Apes, you know, they worship, they talk about a guy named Caesar or whatever. Yeah. And that's what the the first one with James Franco, that's that's Caesar coming into being, you know? Got it. That's yeah. So it- so this is all the modern times and then like um the end have you seen the new ones? No, not yet. Oh, watch them. Watch them this weekend, man. Because the new one, the third one comes out on July fourteenth, which I'm really psyched because that's my birthday weekend. So oh, very nice. I got something to do for my birthday. Um, so oh, I see Carrie Russell's in them, huh? I'm a big Carrie Russell fan. Felicity. Ah, uh, Felicity. What does she play? She play an ape. Yeah, I think she might play an ape because I don't remember her. Let me see. 
I mean, James Franco is in the first one, and John Lithgow is in it, but James Franco's gone. Um, because the, what happens is it sets up this friggin' disease or whatever that wipes out a bunch of the humans. Yeah. All right. Carrie Russell. Uh, no, she's a human. I know Woody, Woody Harrelson's definitely... Uh, He's the villain and the new one. Because I always say villain because I always root for the apes. <laughs> Gary Oldman. Judy Greer is Cornelia. That's an ape. You know Judy Greer. Judy Greer. You'll, she's one of those people you'll definitely recognize. Let me see. She's in what? She's in war? Yeah, she's the first listed person on IMDb. Credited cast, sorted by IMDb Star Meter. Judy Greer. Andy Circus, of course, he plays Caesar. Oh, yeah, know. Judy Greer's in uh, Arrested Development. Yeah, she's in everything. I actually, um, the movie that I was an extra on that I still haven't seen, Jeff Who Lives at Home, what was that, back in 2009, oh, yeah, I think? Yeah, I'm yeah. You're in that? Working that one. Did you? Uh, I don't even know if I made it into it because I never saw it. Yeah. But it was, um, but uh, one of the guys I graduated from high school with has, Zissus has a big role in it because it was made by the two other guys that went to high school with me, the Duplass brothers. Yeah, Zissus uh, is the, uh, that's the best, right? Isn't that the best? Um, no, that Zissus is, um, plays. Like a dude seven up fair yeah, or something. He actually like, has yeah. speaking scenes in the, yeah. in the restaurant. Yeah, because that's where that's where I was. The scene I was in. Okay. And it was funny because I remember right when they cut, Zissus comes and walks up to me. He's like, "Matt, let me carry. What are you doing here?" I was like, "Yeah, man, I just graduate law school, so I'm working as an extra." <laughs> <laughs> but the funny thing is, we all went, and this is how you knew those dudes were cool, because I was an extra in other movies, you know. Uh, and when you go to lunch or whatever, when the they break for meal. Like the big people will go away, but everyone else will, you know. Whereas all the the extras and everybody else is just left there. Yeah. Well, that one, Jason Siegel is in it, you know, and he was in that scene at the restaurant that day. I don't think Ed Helms was needed for that scene, so I don't think he was there that day because he's in that movie. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. I've seen it. It's a great uh, movie. But Jason Siegel, he was scooped off and took somewhere because he was a big star at that time, you know. Yeah. But friggin' we went to eat lunch and everybody's eating lunch in the same place and I'm at a table with some few other people right next to the table with the Duplass brothers and Judy Greer. You know, it's like, oh, these are the cool people. They're eating with the normal people. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know <laughs> And the spread was better than other movies, and I think it was better because they were like, Well, we're gonna eat with the cast anyway. You know, I thought that was really cool, you know, because they obviously could have all pulled big league bullshit and been like, oh, no, we're going to get scooped away to go to some private dining area or something, you know, but Judy Greer didn't, you know, that's great. And she was already a big deal back then, you know, Yeah, yeah. and I was like, oh, this is kind of cool because she's a decent star and she's just sitting here with the director, the directors, you know, eating like. All the same shit as us, you know? It's like, that's cool. <laughs> what does she play? Oh, she played the wife? Yeah, yeah. Radon Chong is in that? 
Is she? Yeah. Uh, I can't find the clip. I can't find the clip. Oh, you know <laughs> who else is? Isn't that's uh, Katie Asselton? That's uh, that's Duplass's wife, right? Is it? Yeah, I think so. I think so. Okay. she's on that show, The League, with him. Oh, okay, okay. I I hadn't seen The League since like maybe the second season. Uh, it got pretty weak after a while, but I think I finished the. Uh, I think I finished it. Yeah, she's married to Mark Duplass. I like her. Yeah. I like her. What kills me about Mark Duplass is all the stuff that dude's been in. He was in Zero Dark Thirty, for Christ's sakes. Um, was he really? He plays one of the... Yeah. What's he play? Yeah, he's like... I, I, I haven't seen the movie, but I've seen clips, and he's like... I think he might be a fellow CIA guy or something, you know? I'll tell you, I've seen that. That is, uh, I would say, my second favorite war movie. Behind what? Uh, Hurt Locker. Oh, okay. Because you, know, um, you know how I like the Mideast, the Middle East uh, war movies better than the, you know, the World War II and Vietnam war movies? Okay. We've had this conversation before. Yeah. Uh, let's see. Duplass. Uh, he's, he's he's down the list, so he must not have had a huge. Thought. Yeah, yeah, it wasn't a big part. It's just that you know, I only noticed it from seeing like clips. I was like, Mark Duplass was in that. It might have been something making fun of it too, because it was at the same time that he was on the league and shit, you know. And the fact that he's a local guy, so somebody might have just been clowning on. Let's see here. Control F. Oh, that was Dawn of the Planet of the Apes Kerry Russell was in. Okay. That was a long time ago. <laughs> uh, do, Mark Dupas plays Steve. <laughs> Steve. Really <laughs> generic. Uh, yeah, down, down on the second page. So it was a bit of a minor character, but. Uh, a great movie, man. Yeah, it's a great movie. The dude Jason Clark. I got. I gotta watch it. I gotta see if I. I gotta see if I ever made it in. J- if I made it in, I'd be like sitting at a bar in the background or something. Although I think there might have been a second scene. I might have. I can't remember. Uh, Jason. The biggest. The, Go ahead. The most film I've gotten was on that Memphis Beat show where I was a juror. And I got lots of camera time on that <laughs> that TNT show with Jason Lee. Uh, um, Jason Clark, who who plays the main character in Zero Dark Thirty, he's like the lead uh, FBI uh, CIA agent that uh, Jessica Chastain teams up with. Uh, yeah, is Malcolm in uh, Dawn of the Planet of the Apes? Yeah, yeah, he's the main character. He's good. He's an Aussie, I believe. Yeah, he's an Aussie. Yeah. he's good. What else was he in? He was in um he was in that last Terminator movie that kind of flopped. Uh Terminator Genesis. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was supposed to be a big deal and then it kinda whimpered out. You, yeah, you, that was the one. You remember they were putting they put so much money and into it, you know, and it was supposed to be a huge movie and it kinda just you know, puttered out. Let's see what else is. Because they brought back Arnie for that one, I believe. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. They did. Uh, he was in... Um, he's in The Great Gatsby. 
He's going to be in a... Uh, oh, this is great. He's going to be in... He's going to play Teddy Kennedy in the movie Chappaquiddick. Ah, nice. <laughs> oh, that's great. I wonder if it says... Uh, Ted Kennedy's life and political career became derailed in the aftermath of a fatal car accident in 1979. The claims the life of young campaign strategist Mary no- Mary Jo Kopechny. Um, yeah. I wonder if it just yeah it became so that. derailed that he that he was a senator till he died. Right, right. <laughs> <laughs> it really ruined his life. Oh, but he had to live with the guilt, it's like. Yeah, then he would have just step down if that was really that big of an issue. Yeah. <laughs> I love that. Sorry, I'm not going to be crocodile tears for <laughs> Teddy Kennedy. <laughs> oh, the curse of the Kennedys. <laughs> I guess it's just a reverse of the curse. He actually kills somebody instead of him getting killed. Well, this is pretty good. Good cast. Kate Mara, Ed Helms, Jason Clark. Uh, Bruce Stern, Jim Gaffigan, John Fiore. What's that, Jared Duck 30? No, this is the Chappaquiddick movie. Oh, the Chappaquiddick movie. Jim Gaffigan's in it? Nice. Yeah, he plays uh, Paul Markham, who I think he's a, uh, he was like a Kennedy advisor, right? Who's that? Paul Markham. Well, I don't know. You know more about the Kennedys than I do, I'm sure. I, uh. Yeah, he was. Although I did get Cortez Kennedy on the dead Deadpool because I that one I kind of vacillate on. I was like, yeah, he's an NFL Hall of Famer. He gets it. Yeah, I would say so, man. He's played for Miami. Then winning, yeah. winning. Well, he's in, he's in the Hall of Fame, so he definitely gets won it. Won a national championship with Miami, right? Yeah, yeah. But but had he not been a Hall of Famer, I wouldn't have cared, really? you know, unless he would have been like flamboyant, you know. All right. Right. Yeah, tough. You're tough. Yeah, yeah like if Terrell, Terrell Owens isn't in the Hall of Fame yet, but if he dies tomorrow, he definitely gets Deadpool status. You know? Right. Just like Billy White Shoes Johnson, I would give him Deadpool status, even though he's not, I'm pretty sure he's not in the Hall of Fame. Uh, I don't think he course, is, right? You know, after so many years, old guys start getting put in, you know? What about. Would you give somebody like like Bernard King? Bernard King, he'd probably get it because of his scoring prowess. All right. What about Don Mattingly? Oh, Don Mattingly, definitely. Okay. Even though he's not a Hall of Famer? Yeah, even though he's not a Hall of Famer, he's a big enough celebrity. Everybody knows of him. All right. Jesse Roscoe. I would do it because he played for the Red Sox. Okay. Wait. No. He was a Red Sox. Well, no, he was, he a, was Met. a Met. He might have. He was a Met in the 86 series. All right. You know who I always used to mix him up with? Calvin Chiraldi. Okay. Who I believe was on the Red Sox that year. Uh, that is true. Um, so, one of. So, uh, Roscoe pitched for a ton of teams, but the Mets was where he, he was. Uh, yeah, he was on the 86 champion team, right? Yeah. And so... And I need to do this to confirm my 10-year-old confusion with the two. 
One of the and I really believe the problem with my ten year old confusion is that they were both like swarthy fellows. Who's that? You know, Orozco Cal and Charaldi. They did not. They did not. Uh, well, Charaldi, they both. They were both like Latin Latin players, and they were both similar looking to me as a ten year old kid. That's why I screw them up. Calvin Charaldi. I'm pulling up the Jesse Orozco card, and a Calvin Charaldi card. Calvin Charaldi is an olive skinned fellow. Jesse Orozco is an olive skinned yeah, fellow. All right, all right. <laughs> That's how I used to screw them up. Okay, all right. <laughs> They're both dark haired, olive skinned fellows. <laughs> I would. Uh... Although Jesse Orozco looks more like a Mexican. Uh, Bob Dylan looking at this Dodgers card. <laughs> yeah, see, I would go Chiraldi as a, you know, as an Italian. Yeah, well, he's clearly Italian, a name like Chiraldi. But as a kid, the face, you know? All right. Um, funny story about Jesse Roscoe. Um, my brother Josh is a is a needler. He's a button pusher. He's always been a... Oh, uh, and Chiraldi was a, was a Met. On 85, and then Boston, 86. That's probably part of my confusion right, there. There you go. The Calvin Chiraldi dilemma solved. Yeah. Um, are, we, are we done with Calvin Chiraldi? Go ahead. <laughs> are we talking about Jesse Orozco? Yeah, I want to go back to Jesse Orozco, but I don't want to cross streams. So if we need to exhaust uh, Kevin, Calvin Chiraldi, I'll be more than happy to. Because... They're they're equals, so I I don't want to put Jesse Roscoe yeah. above Calvin Giraldi. I mean, one person I will never forget from the, that those Mets teams. Well, there's a few people I would never forget. You know, foremost being Mookie Wilson. Mookie Wilson lived in the town next to me growing up, and there's all right. Tell about your Calvin Giraldi because it's funny about Mookie Wilson because I've seen this quote from Mookie Wilson. Twice today posted, and I don't know if it's a true quote, but it's I gotta find. But what's the you got a Jesse Orozco story? Yeah, so there's a running joke in in my family, and specifically yeah. between Josh and I, is that growing up, Josh would make outlandish claims, which which really today amounts to sports talk radio fodder. But this was way before Sports Talk Radio became prominent. So as like a 10 or 12-year-old kid, Josh would make outrageous claims. And one of his claims was Jesse Ross. Like that he invented the question mark? Uh, no, but but the it's akin <laughs> to that when it comes to sports talk. And one of yeah. his most famous was Jesse Roscoe is the most – Jesse Roscoe is the best – relief pitcher of all time. Now, <laughs> that's a bold statement. It's a very bold statement, but it is open to interpretation. Right? He doesn't say yeah. best closer, he doesn't say best long reliever, he just says best relief pitcher of all time. And of course, you try to argue with him, but you can't because He's not setting the parameters of the discussion. He's not he's not yeah. quantifying what he's using to measure, what metric he's using to measure, right? So yep. in nineteen ninety nine, Jesse Orozco actually set the all time record for major league relief appearances. So so by that definition, he is indeed the most prolific 
relief pitcher at that point, right? He had appeared in the most games. Yeah. And at some point he is like the third. Um, so here's, let's see. Here's some of his uh, rankings, right? He ranks 17. He, he's number, he ranks number one in games pitched. He ranks number 17 in strikeouts per nine innings. He ranks number 23rd in hits allowed per nine innings. He ranks 30th in games finished. 82nd in saves on the all-time leaderboard. Um, he's like number two for left-handers. Like it's it's a it's an impressive resume. But to claim yeah. that he's a number, you know, he's the best relief pitcher of all time is, is a suspect claim, right? Well, especially in a world where Trevor Hoffman exists and Dennis Eckersley exists and Lee Smith exists. Okay, so here's this, etc. But. At the time, Trevor Hoffman didn't exist. Mo- M- no, Mariano I know, Rivera. but Smith definitely existed, and Dennis Eckersley definitely existed. So these are claims that that you know of a twelve year old of a twelve year old boy that he's never he's Josh hasn't repeated those claims to this day. I think he only said it once, but it was so outrageous at the time that it stuck with me. Another one of his claims was that Bernard King is the greatest. <laughs> the greatest basketball player. See it the way he would do it. In my mind, it sticks with, um, it stick it it stuck in my mind as Bernard King is the greatest basketball player of all time. But I don't think that's the way he would say it. He would say it along the lines of, uh, he is the greatest offensive basketball player of all time so he would leave just enough room to let it be a moving target right and i does he ever say anything like mortal Kombat for sake of genesis is the best game that that would be jeremy that's jeremy's Jeremy's (laughs) right but the other day i started somebody had pointed out some stats about bernard king and i was like man you know what that he was a prolific scorer, and he was a great scorer, yeah. you know? Well, that's what he was known for, scoring, yeah. It just so happened he had a very short – he had a short career. Well, and this what happened was – I mean, correct me if I'm wrong. Bernard King, did he hit the scene with the Knicks originally and then get hurt and then end up with the Bullets, or was it vice versa? No, he ended his career – yeah, he was a Nick first. Yeah, but then he got hurt, right? Yeah. He blew he like a knee. big comeback with the bullets, right? Yeah. Wasn't that what it was? Exactly. Because I was a very little kid when he was, you know, when all I knew of him was as a bullet, you know, because I, you know, I think he came out of college, you know, he was on, uh, he played at Tennessee in the seventies or whatever, right? With Ernie Grunfield, I think it is, yeah, right? Exactly. Yeah, yeah. Because they did that. I saw that thirty for thirty, but I remember as a kid, Bernard King was a big deal, but it was like. It was just as a bullet, and I remember years later learning how he had been out of league for a little bit because I guess he had got jacked up as a when he was a Nick, right? Like I don't know what he, what did he do? Did he blow his knee or something? Yeah, he blew his knee. Okay. Yeah, he um he start he started with the Nets, rose to prominence with the Knicks, blew out his knee, and then had to come back with the with the bullets. Oh man. Um. 
But these these were these were salient points that Josh would make, or seemingly salient points that he was trying to make of you know foregone conclusions. And he'd hem it in, right? He'd hem it in, and and he would he'd get you riled up. But years later, after letting these things simmer, there's there's argument to be made for for the point. For, you know, for whatever it is, it's a 35 year old point, a <laughs> 30 year old point mm-hmm. that a 10 year old made. Uh, and I came up with this idea of doing a podcast proving all of the nonsensical declarations that Josh made as a kid, trying to <laughs> prove them true. Right? You take the hypothesis that Jesse Roscoe is the greatest reliever of all time, and then it's up to me to prove that that's true. The name of the podcast would be called Defending Orozco. But yeah, I I, I wasn't able to get it green lighted. <laughs> <laughs> By Josh. <laughs> he could only remember two of the uh he could only remember two of the big declarations and the it's the Jesse Orozco is the greatest relief pitcher and Bernard King is the most prolific offensive player in the in NBA history. So uh, that would be a very short-lived podcast. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, it ended very quickly. Speaking of the 86 Mets, I did see the last week the Keith Hernandez episodes were on the Seinfeld Keith Hernandez episodes were on freaking up. It was a great episode. <laughs> on TV. Yeah, I love it. Uh, Keith Hernandez asking Seinfeld to help him move. Right. right. <laughs> like the idea that <laughs> like it's so preposterous to begin with. The fact that this major league baseball star, and he's talking about, well, we got to move an antique chest and all this bullshit. Yeah. You know? <laughs> <laughs> Uh, oh god! Good time. But you see, I I sent you a, a screenshot. This is this was going around today, and here's MLB's got the article, the original article that disappeared. It was from a Village Voice article about the Mets and their favorite dinosaurs or something back in the day. Let me see. I can <laughs> send you. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. I saw this multiple times today. I was like, yeah, think about the dinosaur believes in me, and that gives me motivation. <laughs> so the quote is Mookie Wilson When I'm in a slump, I comfort myself by saying, if I believe in dinosaurs, then somewhere they must believe in me. And if, I, and if they believe in me, then I can believe in me. Then I bust out. <laughs> I'll tell you what, man. He was a funny dude. Well, I guess he still is a funny dude. Yep. He's still alive. Yeah. Well, you remember his son, Preston Wilson? He was also a good player. The, um, yeah. yeah, he played for the Marlins. Uh, I think he was on that. He might have been on that Marlins team that won the World Series in 2007, was it? Uh, for some reason. Look it up. Look it up. What, did he come up a Met and he was part yeah, I think he might have been part of a trade. Um, Which is kind of how that, that Marlins team was made, by trading away all their big players for good young talent. 
Yeah. You know, I think and all of a sudden they have these really good young players on their team. Yeah, I think it's part of the Piazza trade. Yeah, yeah. See, he was yeah, he was a Met in 1998, then he was then he went to Florida in 98. Yeah. Uh, oh, he was on the first Marlins World Series team. Okay. It was that long ago. Man, it's hard to believe. His last year in the majors was 2007 with the Cardinals. I played parts. That's that's when you know you get old when you can't even you know? When it's like it seems like it was like recently. Yeah. It's like, wait, Preston Wilson was in the came in the league in 1998, you know? Uh parts of 10 seasons. That's a that's a pretty decent career. Yeah. What's he doing now? He's doing uh, television. Slam baseballreference.com. He's doing uh, Miami Marlins broadcasts. Yeah. See, here was. I kind of. All right. Turns out the quote came by way of a Village Voice piece entitled Favorite Dinosaurs and Mets, written about the famed 1986 iteration team. See. Kevin Mitchell, yes, I remember him being on that Mets team. Of course, I also remember Ray Knight, you know, and most imp- – uh, who was Lee Mazzilli on those teams and Tim Tufel? Uh Tim Tuffle. Tuffle, but it was spelled T-E-U-F-E-L? Uh, Is that how you spell it? Yeah. I, yeah, T-E-U-F-E-L, Tuffle, Tim Tuffle, second baseman, right. yeah. Yeah, it was Lee Mazzilli too, right? Wasn't he on yeah, those teams? yeah. Okay, but uh, and obviously Doc Gooden and uh, Strawberry, you know. Yeah. But my favorite, of course, because I want to be a catcher and I was a catcher as a kid, was Gary Carter. Yeah, yeah, he was great. I had a buddy. Uh, I grew up with him. We played baseball together, and he was a catcher and he was a Mets fan. And Gary Carter, um, Gary Carter was his idol. Okay, yeah. I'm partial to Montreal Expo, Gary Carter. Yeah, yeah, that's that's the old school Gary Carter, like when I was too young to remember Gary Carter. With the perm. Yeah. And then and then of course there was later years Orioles and Giants Gary Carter. Right. Right. Yeah. Um I'll tell you what, man, those expos Yankees fan now, right? Me? Yeah. yeah, I'm a Yankees fan. But Josh is a Mets fan? No, Josh is a, uh, a Houston Astros fan for some reason. Oh, that's weird. Yeah. Yeah, and, they're really uh, good. Jeremy's, still Jeremy's an Eagles, I mean a Phillies fan. Okay, yeah, because you're kind of in an area where you can split your loyalties, yeah. right? Yeah. Yeah. But it's, I mean, making comments about, statements about, Roscoe back in the day, you'd think he would have been a Mets fan. Right. Right. Hey, I didn't realize Gary Carter was dead. Yeah, he died a few years back. Did he have cancer? I think it was something like that. What does it say he died of? Wikipedia is ready. You really got to go to find the cure, the cause of death. Man, he was only 57. Okay, he wasn't with the Orioles. He was with the Giants, Dodgers, and then back to the Expos for his last year. Brain. I'm thinking of Ray Knight as an Oriole, probably. Brain tumor. Yeah, okay, yeah. Gary Carter. Yeah, he was cool. 
I remember I used to have his card, you know. Yeah, well, that was the heyday. That was that was the heyday of trading cards, right? Like the eighties, early eighties, mid eighties. Plus, kids back then, so we're we were collecting them, you know. Yeah. And I was playing baseball, so like you know, you go to the park, you know, go to the concession stand to get a pack of baseball cards, you know. Yeah. Right. Every Sunday, (laughs) we'd get the sticker books. Rip them up and get the gum. What were the sticker books called? There was a company that made them. The Panini? Panini. Oh, yeah, yeah. We were just talking about that. Panini's the one that's, yeah. Yeah, Yeah. we were just talking about that. Panini sticker books. Yeah. Yeah, those were great. Every Sunday, we could get a a pack of stickers. We'd go to uh, Cumberland Farms, which was way out of the way. There was only, like, one Cumberland Farms, and it it wasn't even on the way anywhere. And I think... (laughs) we had to get more than one. I think I think you I think you my dad would buy one and then if you had your own money you could you could buy you could buy more. But like you never got you never got you got a lot of doubles cuz they you know when they they ship and they distribute those things, they don't distribute them evenly. You know you got to go to different stores to get the different to get the different sticker packs can i can i cut in real quick about that mookie wilson story this is like uh paul harvey the rest of the story this is from mlb.com this was today because today is the day it was going viral there are myriad gems in the full article wally bachman described dinosaurs as strange and wondrous beasts that stalked the world of ancient rome Keith Hernandez reminisced about drawings he made of dinosaurs during games. Dwight Gooden revealed that he discovered a fossil of the late Cretaceous period outside the dugout. It's hilarious read, no doubt. There's an important thing to know about it, though. It's fake. The Village Voice did not interview the 86 Mets. <laughs> <laughs> they just... It was just a bullshit article they ran back at the time. Yeah. I didn't realize this. It's too bad it's not a real quote of Mookie Wilson because that would have been awesome. I didn't realize that was the <laughs> the, the the scope was so was so broad. Um, I probably would have guessed that fake. I thought it was just like one of those uh, <laughs> you know nonsensical interviews that guys do. Well, yeah, I mean, you see all these guys that play NBA and stuff that don't believe in the round Earth, you know. Yeah. Yeah, there's a and you, and you and you got to question yourself. It's like, does he really not believe the Earth is round, or is he just, or is this just some friggin' huge <coughs> friggin' troll job he's doing? You know, what are those guys called? Earthers, like Kyrie Irving, flat yeah, flat Earth society people, yeah, flat Earthers, like Kyrie Irving's a, a, allegedly a flat Earther. You know, and it's like, is he being sincere or is this all bullshit? You don't know. What's the premise? What do they base their <coughs> their belief on? Uh, I don't know. I guess part of it has to be the fact that you don't believe in um that I mean if you're going to believe that the earth is flat, you probably also believe that man did actually land on the moon and that's all was staged, you know. <coughs> I mean at least I can get that. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Because, well, there's a way to replicate that. Maybe they did do it on a soundstage. Who knows? I don't believe that, but it, it's possible. The fact that the Earth is flat is scientifically 
been disproven. You Yeah, but if you think the science is all a scam. I mean, there's always wackos out there, man. I mean, I guess I mean you're right. You're right. There's no there's no way to to show a crazy person logic, that's for sure. You're certainly not going to show a crazy person science. Um, yeah, exactly. Speaking of which, I am uh, I'm tired of crazy people, man. I you talk about your neighbors. I, everything. Everybody I've dealt with for the last two months has been an absolute fucking lunatic. <laughs> mm. uh, Including right now, because I know I'm crazy. We we. <laughs> We we didn't get into it. We talked offline a little bit about the the three ring circus that's been my life oh, Lord, for the last yes. two months. But it, it's coming to a close. And as much as I want to respect the 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 private lives of the participants, at some point it spilled over to my life and becomes my story, right? That's that's yeah. true. Yep. You know, and and one of the reasons I don't I don't like to talk about certain parts of my life is because the story isn't a hundred percent mine. The story yeah. belongs to 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 other people, right? Whether it's my mom, you know, had gotten ill, or Ange, or Josh and his family. Like I don't own those stories so I, I don't feel comfortable talking about them but at some point when you interject your craziness onto me then it becomes my story and I get to talk about it so I'm, I'm comfortable talking about certain parts of this uh, to give it some relevancy uh, the, the, the long story short is um, I had those the, that, that female tenant who moved in um I forget when she moved in. Probably February-ish. And without without telling tales out of school, Roscoe thought it would be a good idea to to bed down with her. And what looked like a bad idea from afar yeah. became a nightmare up close. So this relationship, which was ill-advised at best from beginning from the beginning to downright moronic at worst spirals totally out of control and becomes this like white trash MTV teen mom saga drama that eventually gets cops involved eventually has restraining orders involved and eventually has like people going off to jail. Now, to his credit, and to not to dismirch, besmirch his good name, Roscoe was was an innocent. Well, let me say, Roscoe was not was not involved or did not perpetuate any of the criminal activity associated with this story. Right? Essentially, he was a victim, although he was a he was a willing participant. In all the drama, he ended up being a victim of all this. So I kicked the chick out. I had to kick her out. In addition, the Monmouth County Family Court 
told her she was not allowed within 50 feet of the house. So <laughs> it would have been been very difficult, been very difficult for her to reside at 705 Bond Street. Um, but that just started a ton of drama where she had her belongings in the house and she wouldn't come and remove them. She'd show up every couple days with a cop because she needed a, a police escort because she had a restraining order against her. Uh, and But she wouldn't take anything. She would just come and she'd get a pillow or she'd come and get a blanket. So this goes on for about, I don't know, two... Crazy person behavior. Crazy person behavior for about two weeks. And every time I see her, she's wearing the same clothes. She's covered in dog hair. Now, she's drunk. She's got a drinking problem, a very, very severe drinking problem, uh, which I don't know if she was hiding while she lived here or if she was in treatment or whatever. But the, uh, I don't know, the... The smooth, cool loins of of Roscoe uh, sent her off the edge, apparently. So uh, she finally gets out, and I make her, uh, I entice her with her security deposit, which she's not entitled to, but I decide yeah, that I'm going. She broke the friggin' lease, right? Exactly. But you know what? I want to get rid of her. I don't. I don't need the money. I mean, I need the money, but like, I don't, I don't want to, I don't want to procure. It's only two hundred bucks, and it's better spent getting her out of my life. So I get her out. She's got an attorney involved, but it's shady. She doesn't have any money, so he's working pro bono, and he's a maritime attorney, but he's representing her, her, you know, her defense claims, and then her suits. You know, filing of charges against, you know, this guy and that guy and the other guy. And it's just a whole weird situation. But I think I finally get her out until she starts texting me belligerent texts about um, how I'm going to be subject to the mafia if I don't. If I don't adhere to this claim or that claim, or if I don't give her back this or I don't give her back that. And the last straw was that um, I owed her $60 for dog food that was stolen while she lived here. To which my claim was, I have an exit agreement that says she left nothing here and that she's got no claim to anything here. In addition to that, my practical argument would be, well, if the dog food was so important, why didn't you get it one of the five times you came back to the house? Yeah, no kidding. And and didn't leave with anything. But at the end of the day, I'm banking on the fact that, well, it costs $68 to file a small claim suit. Why would she file a claim for $60 worth of dog food? It just doesn't make sense, right? Yeah. So we go back and forth and back and forth, and I'm, you know, I'm holding, I'm holding my line. All while I'm holding my line, I'm involved in a dispute in my condo association with a crazy person who is intent on suing the association for a number of of quote-unquote violations that he feels has been perpetrated against him. And he's one of these douchebags who thinks that everything he's doing is being 
preserved for the record, quote unquote, the record. Yeah, yeah. You know, as if there's this huge book and at any point he can go back into it and prove you wrong because he's he's recorded your input. (laughs) And I'm trying to... The way the condo association works is that he is, uh, before you can sue the association, you have to go through the Alternative Dispute Resolution Committee, and I happen to chair that committee. Now, I don't chair the committee. Oh, it's a deal where you got to exhaust all your ministry. Yes, exactly. <laughs> Remedies first, yes. Now, I don't chair the committee because I'm a mediator. I chair the committee because 10 years ago, when... We move when we bought the building. This is the place you're not even living in, right? You just deal with this bullshit. Ten years ago, when the building went condo, we bought a unit, and in order to fulfill the master deed, they needed to have somebody on this committee. And I and I was like, I'll do it. And sat on the association board when we had first moved in, and I figured I'd sit on the committee. For ten years, there there were no disputes within the building. Until this guy came on board and tried to rent his apartment out to Airbnb and got busted by the fire department for not having the right code. And he assumed that the association ratted him out. So now he's going to make everybody's life living hell. God, what an asshole. And he's the kind of guy who says things like, uh, let me, I, I, would, I want to find it because I was really proud of myself. I was trying not to engage him. Because he's one of those guys that baits you and baits you and baits you and then gets you to say something that is either off color or that you regret, right? Yeah, yeah. So I'm putting my I'm putting my mediation skills to work. I'm not letting him get the best of me. Um, I'm I'm mediating this thing. And He's going on and on and on. And at one point he's trying to kind of catch me in a in a in a misstatement. And he writes <laughs> He writes Just just so we're clear for the digital record, you're stating digital record. You're stating A, B, and C. And I got a kick out of it and I had to write back and say uh, you know, I give my response to him, a, a, a very long-winded response, right? Um, yep. A very, way too long-winded. I shouldn't have not even done, you know, that much of a, of a response. But I do, and it's way too long. And at the end of it, I said, oh, also, um, just so you're clear, when you write something, you do not have to say for the record, because by definition, the written account is the record. <laughs> and he dropped it. He's, it's, he's like one of those kind of guys that if you give him, you know. It, yeah, you come at him. Right, right. So um, I've been dealing with with not only a crazy alcoholic chick, I've been dealing with this just total douchebag. 
Yeah. Who have been just piling on on top of this hellish week. This Well, hellish week. It's hellish month, right? We've been on hiatus for, for almost a month and a half. That was the last time I had some free time. And the there's light at the end of the tunnel. I, I finally negotiated to pay off the chick. I split the cost of the of the dog food with her attorney. I've <laughs> I've got a hearing scheduled for tomorrow even though it's my day off. I've got a schedule I've got it scheduled that we can finally put this this dilemma to bed with the condo association and I got a, my first weekend off from uh from our walk schedule. Uh, in the last 38 days. Oh, uh, this weekend? This weekend. It's my first day off in 38 days. So everything's coming up Sanders, and I am going to try to take advantage of it, but for the fact it's supposed to rain, which kind of sucks. But I'm torn, uh, you know? Like, people are going to ascend on on the shore this is this is our season right summer season people start coming memorial day and i yeah, you really yeah. can't, I can't if i leave the house on a weekend i can't come back uh because there's no parking right so i kind of have to stick around or i have to be uh, you don't have a driveway no, right? no. that sucks yeah. and i love the summer around here and i love doing my own thing uh, but at the same time like i like to get away but when i get away i can't do my yard work which is so far behind um, you know, I can't just catch up on shit that I got to catch up around here. Yeah. It's kind of like the, you know, that Mardi Gras dilemma where, where you either stick around and buy into it or you, you take off, right? Don't a lot of families yep. and stuff get, get out of town for, for Mardi Gras with their kids or whatever. Yeah. 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 People go to Disney world or skiing or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. So that's, um. You know that's my big, that's my big dilemma. What do I do? My yard is in absolute disarray. It looks like I got so much shit to do in my yard, and I don't really want to fucking do it. Like I, I'm gonna have to pull up that fucking brick walkway eventually. The one you just put down? Yeah, because the problem is when I took out all that fucking cement that was under there, you know. Yeah. It fucking made everything so friggin' low. Um, and a few weeks ago, there was like a, uh, basically a flash flood, and everything was flooded back there in that area, yeah. including the walkway. And there's a guy I know who's a landscape architect, one of Jordan's buddies. And he um, he came over and he looked at it and he's like, dude, you're going to have to, he's like, it sucks, but that's what you're going to have to do is take that up because he's like you have to get fucking you gotta build this shit back up dude you know he's like you gotta get all this crap out of the backyard here like all the debris obviously you know and he's like you're gonna have to to build this area back up because the problem is the drainage is all fucked up back there you know yeah because of fucking a hundred years of build up shit like and floods and stuff leaving stuff back there doesn't drain the way it was supposed to and then I'm taking shit from other people's property you know where other stuff probably over the years has built up around mine because I took that shit out I lowered my table back there you know so what did you take out dude there was like this 
friggin' huge-ass foundation slab that was just back there. And it's, you know, like two feet thick or something, you know? Maybe not two feet thick, but close to it. A foot and a half thick of shit, so, you know, pro- because, but I had to take it out, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because first I had to start taking it out because it was in a way of like putting down a walkway, but it was all jacked up anyway, you know? So it's not like I would have been able to put anything down as it was because over the years, you know, all the roots and stuff that have been growing there and like it was, there was probably six inches of mud on top of it, you know? But it's like anything I want to do, you know, you, you, you think you're going to dig a hole and you go six inches and all of a sudden you, you hit cement, so I had to do it, you know, because nothing was able. If I ever want to grow anything back there, you know, I got gotcha. you. It's not gonna happen. So when you, what did you fill that with? When you, well, the problem was that it, nothing was filled with it. Well, the area where the walkway is, I thought that was gonna be high enough because when the walkway was put in, it was on level with the level as it was at the time, you know? Okay. You get what I'm saying? Yes. Because I didn't take out all the slab on the sides because I was like, that's a huge project. But it was equal to that level. But the problem is, when I took out the slab there, it gets to the fence and it goes down a lot more there, you know? So now it's creating like a little bowl area right there. Like it wasn't flooding before I took out that shit. You know, the walkway wasn't flooding you know, because it was, but the problem is now it's compared to where it is at the fence, it's so much lower. So, so what I I got to do is, I mean, I'm going to, I got to get all the shit out of the backyard, all the rubble. And the reason I'm really stalling this because I don't want to deal with it because I know it's going to cost me a shitload of money to hire somebody to come take that stuff out, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like I'm trying to avoid that because I got a lot of other financial things that have been hitting me lately you know and um and eventually like what he says this guy's like get you're gonna have to get a bunch of river sand you know you know they'll fucking drop it back here yards and yards of this shit i'm just gonna have to fucking shovel it back there it's just like spend a weekend doing that it's not something i look forward to so it's not something i'm the other day, he sent me a text message. He's like, how's that coming? I was like, it hasn't come at all, man. Not <laughs> since you were here a couple of weeks ago. Right. I was like, I don't really want to fucking do it. It's all so daunting. Yeah. You know? Because, and ideally, once I get that done, I'll, you know, I'll make one of these, like, little rain gardens. You know, he's got the idea. This guy is a landscape architect. So, you know, if I ever need, when I'm, when I'm in the process, I'll ask him. But it's just like, I just want to not be flooding all the time but of course i'm not rushing to do it because it's like it has to take a pretty bad rainfall but of course we'll see how i feel in the fall because summer's when the rain's really bad here you know yeah, yeah. what's a rain garden it rains bad here all the time but it rains every day during the summer and sometimes it'll be like ridiculous fucking storms you know it's like the day that it happened it's it probably rains six at least six inches in 24 hours or something, you know? What's a rain garden? Just, like, greens and rocks and stuff? Yeah, you put in... It's certain... Um, yeah, it's like irises and certain things you grow back there that kind of uh, thrive with rain, and the rain can collect, and it's a thing they're trying to push down here because there's so much rain 
so much water down here, yeah, you know? Right. So it's kind of like one of these environmentally conscious things. But it like there's an area between the walkway and the fence in my backyard and he's like, Yeah, what you want to do is basically, you know, have a g- basically like sloping down and back again, you know, like a gully basically right there and you can make like a rain garden and it'll collect all the water, you know. You know, and then you have like the high point you know, the high point be like gone towards the the path would be like the high point goes down a little on an angle and then goes back up as it reaches the fence, you know? Okay. Yeah, and it's and it's a issue to deal with drainage and you know, and the overburdening uh friggin' street flooding problems and stuff, you know? Right. So but it's a big project. Because it's a multi-layer project. Because first it's getting all the shit back out of there. Then it's tearing up the friggin' brick walkway. Then it's actually getting the friggin' loads of river sand to the house and spending a weekend friggin' how many hours that's going to take friggin' taking yard after yard of this sand from near the front of my house in a wheelbarrow to the backyard and and then trying to, you know, grade it all out, you know? Right. Right. So I'm not looking forward to it. So it might be something that, you know, whenever I get the debris done, if I get that done in the next couple of months, let's let the rest of that shit sit until the friggin' fall when the weather gets a little uh, cooler, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So that's my life. <laughs> yeah, see, I love gardening, but I don't have those type of problems. So that's why gardening is easy. Yeah, and I wouldn't have had these problems if I didn't decide to fucking do anything in my backyard. But I had to do something to it. It was a friggin' mess. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I don't know. What else you got, man? Uh, that's uh, that's about all I got. That's about all I got. We're about uh. What about 123? You got anything you, uh, you want to tackle? Nah, I have nothing, man. I just want to eat dinner, to be honest with you. <laughs> that is a uh, a solid return. Return of the, it's return of the excuses. 9.33 um, Central Daylight Time. So, it's getting to that point, man. I hear you. I hear you. Well, it's good to be back. Yeah, yeah. We're back on a regular, uh, regular schedule, regular rotation. I, you know, how many shirts do you have in the can right now, though? Uh, we got a couple. I got to get out. I'm gonna try to bang them out this weekend. I'll just release a bunch. Um, you know, we're, we're, we're just gonna stay around the house this weekend. Yeah, I'm gonna help my dad open the pool on Saturday, and uh, other than that, it's, it's it's supposed to rain. So we'll see. We'll see what happens. But we'll get, definitely get something up. We'll definitely get something up. We'll be All back right. on a regular schedule. And, uh, Good deal. Because Fredo's getting antsy, I'm sure. Tell him uh, I apologize. But, uh, you know, it's, a, it was, it's our annual spring hiatus. Yeah. The annual spring hiatus, you know? That's what happens. Yep, that's what happens when Bobby starts slapping from doing the wild thing. <laughs> <laughs> well, on that note. <laughs> uh, with apologies to Tone Loke <laughs> <laughs> we will see you guys next week
Yep. Uh, adios, Fredo. Welcome back, Fredo. Yeah, your dreams are your ticket out. Mm-hmm.